What kind of fun is waiting for you at King's Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly at King's Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun this season. King's Island is now open weekends. July 5 edition of PFTPM. I'll admit that there was a period of time on Tuesday night, I had to stop and think of what day it was, where I was concerned that there possibly would not be a PFTPM on Wednesday, July 5, but I rallied. I feel good. I didn't overdo it to the extent that I thought I might. I didn't overdo it to the extent that I thought I had. Felt pretty good this morning. A couple of Advil, laid in bed, pondering my options. No PFTPM, no PFT updates. Just take the day off, but kind of did that yesterday. So back at it, hashtag no days off, hashtag except when we take days off and let's get right to it. Top item for me today. And I saw the text from MDS. What we do, the writers at PFT, we have a text thread like so many other people do. And I have a bunch of different text threads I'm involved in. I do indeed have friends. Although some of you would doubt that, I can prove it if I have to. My friends slash colleagues, i.e. the people I pay to be my friends, they text me. <laughs> when we're doing stories and it's loose sports equivalent of calling for fly balls in the outfield. So we don't write the same story. I'm getting this. I'm getting that. I'm getting this. I'm getting that. That's how it goes. And for the most part, we rarely cross streams to mix metaphors and to pull in the Ghostbusters firehouse. It, it's been a long time. I can't even remember the last time that I had to actually say, all right, we got two versions of the same story, which one stays and which one goes. We're pretty good, very good, nearly perfect when it comes to not doing that. Anyway, I digress. I saw the text from MDS this morning about Josh Allen on the Bussin' with the Boys podcast, blaming the media. It's always our fault. Everything's our fault. And let me preface this by saying I love Josh Allen. Josh Allen is an excellent quarterback, one of the best in the NFL. He deserves better around him than he's had. And he deserves not to have to deal with crap like this, where you've got a disgruntled receiver who, for whatever reason, is at odds with someone to the point where someone said on the first day of their mandatory minicamp, maybe it would be a good idea if you just go. And, and we're learning more about exactly what happened. That's what was so significant about what I saw in this quote that's making the rounds from Josh Allen's podcast appearance. The media has blown this so far out of proportion. He said, we're in minicamp. We're not playing a game for four months. He doesn't show up for one day. He's still there. Coach asked him to go home. They're in talks. They're trying to resolve some things. They're still talking about it. Let it go. There's no reason to continue talking about it. One thing you got to know, Josh, is the one way to not get the media to stop talking about something is to tell them to stop talking about it. And it definitely won't get the media to stop investigating because the more you push and the more you try to say nothing to see here, that's the other unofficial motto of the NFL. I mean, officially it's football is family. Unofficially, it's nothing to see here, except of course, when they want you to see. But when there's any controversy they'd rather us not focus on, they just say nothing to see here. 
there's clearly something to see. And what really got my antenna up was this line. Coach asked him to go home. Because now we know a little bit more about what happened that Tuesday. And now maybe we know why Stefan Diggs was on social media quoting, and I don't know, because people will downplay, well, it's just a quote from something. He's just quoting something. He's still using it. I mean, people just don't randomly blurt out quotes like it's a, a subset of Tourette's syndrome. You are absolutely intending to convey a meaning when you use a quote. So whether it was his words or someone else's words, he was complaining that people were lying. Who was lying? Well, I don't know that Sean McDermott actually told the kind of lie that would make his nose grow if he were Pinocchio, but the impression created, the alarm that was sounded, was from Sean McDermott. Stefan's not here, and I'm very concerned about it. But you told him to go home, according to Josh Allen. Wait, you, you, you're very concerned that a guy's not there that you sent home, and there's nothing to see here. I mean... The, the mere fact that it's the only time it's ever happened that I can remember in the 23 years that I've been covering the NFL, that a guy shows up for mandatory minicamp after he skips all of the offseason program that was voluntary and leaves on the day of the first practice, that in and of itself makes it a big deal. The circumstance makes it a big deal. Like, hey, you know what? The media's blown it out of proportion. The house was on fire. But it's no big deal. We put the fire out, but it's no big deal. Well, it's a big deal because the house was on fire. It's a big deal because Diggs was gone and the coach said, I'm very concerned that he's not here. And then there was this weird back and forth where the agent says he's there and he intends to be present for everything. The team said he was there, but he left before practice. Didn't say he was asked to leave. So... These little things, Josh, by you talking about it, by saying what you said, you invite us, especially while we're still in the, you know, the low water phase of the offseason when it comes to news. You're inviting us to jump in and splash around with whatever's there. The coach told him to go home. What caused the coach to tell him to go home? What happened to tell or to cause, excuse me, the coach to tell Stefan Diggs to go home. I mean, this is a fascinating story. And I mean, this is all circumstantial evidence because nobody's going to be inclined to tell us the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. But it sounds like things got out of hand. The coach told him it would make sense for everyone if he would just kind of go home and cool off. And then the coach creates the impression that he left, that he wasn't there. The team created the impression he left, that he wasn't told to leave, that he left. So Stefan Diggs later that night on social media, complaining that people are lying about it. Do you think that gets repaired overnight? The fact that something happened that caused him to go, caused him to be asked to go. He goes, and then they characterize him as walking out when that wasn't the case. Do you really think that gets smoothed over overnight? And then a few weeks later, Josh Allen saying nothing to see here. Of course, there's something to see. He wants us not to look because the more we look, the more we might find something that will create the kind of distraction that derails what he's trying to do. I don't blame him for it. It's just not a very good strategy because it's not going to work. Telling us not to talk about it is not going to keep us 
from talking about it as evidenced by what I've been talking about for the last eight minutes or so. I, look, I'm guided by my instinct, two instincts, two instincts. One, I follow and report on and write about and talk about the things that I would be interested in as a fan. I created the destination of profootballtalk.com 22 years ago with a simple mission in mind. And I don't even know if I articulated it at the time, but the goal was to create something that I would want to read, a place I would want to go. It's a simple approach, but it's the best way to, you know, if you're creating a business that is an outgrowth of your own interests, then you create the business tailored to your interest because your interest most likely will reflect the interest of others. The other instinct I'm guided by is just that, I remember the first day of law school, one of the professors said that the best thing that he could give us is a crap filter. We need to just have that idea of when we're being told the truth, when we're not being told the truth, when we're being told something that's just a pile of crap. And just when there's that, you just, and it's a product of experience and seeing how these stories play out and knowing people and reading people. But I, I like it when that kind of spider sense starts to tingle and I feel like there's something more to the story. What else happened recently where I felt like there was something more to the story? Hell, I can't even remember. Oh, with the, the NFLPA executive director election slash shenanigans because everything is still so mired in secrecy. It just makes me think something's going on that they don't want us to know about. And something's clearly going on with the bills that they don't want us to know about because Josh Allen is trying to tell us, don't pay attention. Nothing to see here. They're still talking about it. Let it go. There's no reason to continue talking about it. Josh, there is. Because there's a lot we don't know. And see, this happens from time to time in, in the NFL. And, and I'll hear it from fans. Typically, it's when fans circle the wagons and they're protecting their team and they don't want disruptions and distractions. They don't want anything to get in the way of what the team's trying to do, which, again, that's what Josh Allen is trying to accomplish by saying what he's saying. But I'll hear from fans, well, you don't have any right to know that. What gives you the right to ask that question? Well, the media is the liaison for the fans. And there are fans out there that do want to know. And if you are going to get a brand new stadium funded with hundreds of millions of taxpayer dollars under circumstances that, as the Erie County executive said last week, or thereabouts, if they didn't get the deal that we gave them, they were moving. When that kind of public money and public interest and public attention is devoted to the product, you, you're damn right. There's things we're allowed to be curious about. They want us to be curious about it. They want us to talk about it. See, at one level, Josh Allen would prefer we not talk about it. Bigger picture, NFL, they want us to talk about it. What, what, what would they rather us talk about? Hot dog con uh, contest from yesterday? Baseball? They want to be the subject of every talk show. They want to be the focal point of every conversation. Every time we talk about the NFL, it is free promotion for the product. But 
I can understand why Josh Allen and the Bills would prefer we not talk about it. So I vow to keep talking about it. I vow to continue to be curious about it. I vow to continue to have my antenna up for anything that gives us a little more, just a little more, a little piece here, a little piece there. The big piece from today, coach asked him to go home. We didn't know that. We didn't know that. Now, to his credit, Josh Allen didn't say to the Bustin' with the Boys podcast, let's not talk about Stephon Diggs. I don't want to talk. I'll do it, but I'm not talking about Stephon Diggs. But I said I think he also believed that how he handled it was like gonna gonna be effective, that that was gonna end the conversation, that that he can. And and I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it will work. Maybe maybe I'm gonna get dragged for talking about it because he's told us not to. But obviously that's not how it works. And the harder you try to get us not to talk about something, the more we, number one, want to talk about it. Number two, are curious about what else we might find out if we keep talking about it and thinking about it and reporting on it. Next item. I was on radio earlier today. Paul Allen's show on KFAN, but he was taking a vocal maintenance day. He takes a lot of those. He's got a pretty good gig. I don't, I, I don't, I don't. I don't envy him for having the ability. He's good enough at his job where he can just disappear from time to time for vocal maintenance days. But when he does, his producer, Nordo, has the microphone. And we were talking about the situation in New England where Bill Belichick has won six Super Bowls, but it's been four seasons and counting since their last postseason victory. They've missed the playoffs each or two of the last three years, excuse me. And, you know, it's all a matter of perspective because, as Nordo said, if the Vikings win a Super Bowl, whoever the coach is, the fans are going to want to give him a lifetime contract. But that's from the perspective of the fan base that is yet to win a Super Bowl. Once you win a Super Bowl, everything changes. Eagles fans, I submit, have gotten more spirited, more zealous, and more demanding since winning a Super Bowl. They're addicted to that feeling, and they want it again. One isn't enough. One is just the beginning. You get one, you want two. You get two, you want three. You get three, you want four. It's the Tom Brady thing. What's your favorite ring? The next one. So it's easy to say if you don't have a Super Bowl win that all we need is one, and then who cares? You still have a business to run. You still have a stadium to fill. You can't just go 0-17 indefinitely. I mean, look at what's going on in Denver. They haven't been back to the playoffs since winning Super Bowl 50. And there's a lot of angst and turmoil and effort there to turn it around. You set a standard you want to live up to. So it's always fascinating to me to raise that question of what comes next after you climb the mountain. For the players, for the organization, and for the fans, what comes next? Is it a big sigh of relief and then you're content to be four and 13 the next year? Can the players figure out how to go back to the bottom of the hill and climb the same mountain again? Terry Bradshaw used to go through depression 
because it's kind of like, what am I doing here? I did it. What do I do now? I do it again. Well, how many times am I going to do it? There wasn't that same obsession with legacy. I think the Super Bowl was still new enough that it was a sufficiently big deal to have one, two, three. That, that became, I think, once we saw the Bradshaw and Montana standard set, that gave Tom Brady something to chase. But they set the standard. In the process of setting the standard, they weren't, weren't really chasing much of anything. And I, I mean, I was following the NFL closely back in the 70s and into the 80s. There, there wasn't this, well, how does Terry Bradshaw compare to Bart Starr? And, and maybe it's because there, there just wasn't this universe of talk shows and TV shows and websites that were covering the sport. It just wasn't there. The opportunity to have these conversations, we've got to fill these hours. Hey, what are we going to talk about today, Bob? I don't know, let's talk about whether or not Terry Bradshaw is better than Bart Starr. How many Super Bowls he has to win to be considered better than Bart Starr? Or better than Bob Greasy or better than whoever had more than one. I, you know, there was no reason for it. There was no occasion to do it. The shows about the NFL were the pregame shows, which focused on, you know, actually preparing you for the games because you couldn't access content all week long that would get you ready for the games. The highlight shows that were all about the highlights because it was the only place that you saw them. And there even, there wasn't even, it wasn't until ESPN primetime in the eighties that we had a comprehensive end of day highlight show. So my point is this. I think it's easier today for players to, especially quarterbacks to say, let's go, let's go, let's go. Fan bases. When you don't have that first one, how do you feel after you win it? And how forgiving will you ever be for a head coach who took you where you hadn't been, but is now taking you on a ride that you don't like? That's what makes the whole Belichick thing so fascinating. How does this play out? Will he be fired? Will he resign? Will he retire? What will he do? What will the team want? And how many more non-playoff seasons or one and done postseasons can he endure before something has to change in a major way? The gambling situation still hovers over the NFL. And just because there's a vibe that's been created that we've gotten through this first phase where, okay, now all the players know 10 players were suspended. There's been enough of an uproar, enough of a hubbub about it that people know what the rules are. And players will comply going forward. I don't believe that that'll be the case. But because I still think there's going to be new players who come in. And as I've said before, there's going to be players who are addicted, players who think they're going to outsmart the system, whatever the case may be. I don't think it's the end of it. But I was fascinated by, how many times have I said fascinated today? I think the over-under was two and a half and I'm over it. But I was, I was. I can't think of a different word. I was intrigued, intrigued, engrossed. I don't know. I don't have my thesaurus. Does anybody even have thesauruses anymore? Do you you just look up? Don't do you do you look up synonyms for a word? You just look it up on Google. Anyway, I remember I used to have a thesaurus. The kids, there used to be a book called a thesaurus. There used to be a book called a dictionary. I actually have one here, just mainly for nostalgia. But Roger's thesaurus was the name of it, and it was a book that you would go to and you would look up a word, and it would give you all of the synonyms for that word because sometimes if you were writing, you didn't want to use that word over and over and over again. So. Uh, I should probably look up Roger's online thesaurus for some synonyms for fascinating. Anyway, um, what was my point? Oh, they're developing a product that would allow 
the league to block players from betting on the NFL and presumably would block players from betting on other sports while in the facility. You know, this geolocation technology is what's getting them caught in the first place. The sports books get the information, they give it to the NFL, and then the players are busted. Why not build a system that just prevents them from doing it? I mean, if you're in a state where it's legal to use the DraftKings app to make a bet and you cross to the other state, it won't let you make the bet because you are no longer in the state. So if it knows who you are, if you fall into the bucket of professional football player, then you can't bet on the NFL anywhere. And if you have your phone at work, or if you're on the road now, it gets a little dicier if you're traveling for work, but there should be a way, and it sounds like there will be a way, to keep the players from making bets they shouldn't make. And that's the way it should be. It's the way it should have been. I know sometimes the technology has to catch up with the reality, but it's just a damn shame that this all happened in a way that was clearly not communicated as well as it could have been. Otherwise, there wouldn't have been 10 suspensions dating back to 2021. There would have been none. Unless you have somebody who's just a problem gambler or like somebody like Isaiah Rogers who was using a different account. But even then, if he would have fully understood how the geolocation technology works, maybe he would have thought twice about using a name other than his. Now, now it doesn't change the fact that players will find a way to place their bets through others, but it does take away this lowest of the low-hanging fruit. And I still wonder whether or not the NFL likes the lowest of the low-hanging fruit because if you have periodic suspensions, it makes it look like your gambling, gambling policy is being properly investigated that violations are accurately being detected and that the rules are being properly enforced and that no one asks questions. You don't need Josh Allen to say, quit talking about it. Quit asking those questions. Nobody naturally asks the questions of what else is going on that they can't and won't detect because you know every so often you've got another suspension. It creates the impression that the system works. I think there's a lot that the NFL needs to be worried about. And we've talked about it before and I won't talk about it again. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Instead, before I, I answer questions, I wrote something earlier today about Stephen A. Smith's comments about the layoffs at ESPN, and he said more are coming. Now, I don't know if he's got inside information that there's going to be more right now. There was nearly 20 that happened on Friday. But whether he's talking short-term or long-term, he's right because the model of ESPN's business has changed so dramatically. 
and this isn't an anti-ESPN thing at all. I don't have any problem with ESPN. I, there was a time where it was all I watched. And there's a time now where I never watch it. I only watch it when there's a sporting event that ESPN has that I'm interested in watching. Typically, NFL, college football, sometimes other things. But that's mainly it right now. I have no reason to watch it for anything else. None whatsoever. I'll keep an eye on what they're saying on Sunday NFL Countdown on Sunday mornings, but I don't need to watch it to find out because if they say anything interesting, it gets tweeted. And I'll see it somewhere. So the, the broader point is ESPN is in the middle of a long-term, and look, other TV networks are dealing with it too. NBCSN was shut down as NBC made a strategic pivot to streaming. And instead of just hanging on and knowing that the households were going to shrink and shrink and shrink as more people cut the cords, they just decided, let's put the resources into Peacock. Let's build Peacock. Instead of getting the last breaths we can out of something that we know is going to die inevitably, let's pump that money. Let's put that time. Let's put that focus into Peacock. And ESPN, because its sports operation is so much larger, I think it's harder to just make that you know, you got a bunch of networks. What are you going to do? You're going to pull them all off of basic cable and satellite. But it, it's it's a very simple proposition. Think of all those years, dating back to the cable boom of the 80s. Before 1981 or so, you had, in most markets, three, maybe four channels, each network. We had a couple of different local channels that carried the same network feed. You get different local news, but you didn't have much to choose from. Then comes cable. And you got all these, all these, oh my gosh, look at all these channels. I remember just flipping one after another, after another. Look at these channels. Look at this. What's this? Oh, wow. This is a new channel. I'm not interested in it, but at least I know I have it. So what happens is, and what happened was, you got all these people who are paying their cable bill. ESPN is getting a piece of the pie from all those people. And think of all the people who never watched. They're still paying for it. All that money, all those years for ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN News, ESPNU. Are there other ESPNs that I'm missing? They had at least four viable Networks. Now, I know they all weren't on every basic cable package, but one and two were. So now, now, and you know, the negative is it's going to cause people to lose their jobs. It's going to shrink a, a company like ESPN because it's no longer being financed by all of this money from people who never watched ESPN. Now, the revenue is only going to come. And in time, this is the pivot. And it's a slow process for ESPN. At some point, the revenue is only going to come from the people who watch ESPN. They have to go seek it out. They have to find it. They pay for it. And they purchase it. And look, for the consumer, this is a win. We no longer have to pay for stuff we don't watch. We pay for exactly what we want. With the streaming services, you know, people complained when the news came out that Peacock will have two exclusive NFL games this year, one in late December, Bill's Chargers, and one in the playoffs, an exclusive playoff game only on Peacock. Well, I got, I got too many 
streaming services. There's too many. Well, it's it's not till death do us part. It's very easy for most of the streaming services. If you want to stop, it's very easy to stop. Very easy. And you pick up another one and you've got the freedom to do that. Wouldn't it have been great? Like back in the 80s, you could have saved some money on your cable bill by choosing the channels you actually watched. It would have been bad for all those networks. What a business model that was though. Think of how much money was made from people who never watched the channels they were paying for, largely by ESPN, but other networks benefited from it too. And now the world's changed. And when that change happens, yeah, it's going to impact people. So look, I know guys like Stephen A. Smith and Pat McAfee are taking a lot of flack because Stephen A. is getting a lot of money currently from ESPN. McAfee soon will. But they're running the business in a way that they believe is going to be as profitable as possible. And if you're going to offer content beyond live sports, it's got to be something that people will choose to watch. It's got to be something that people want to watch. Information they feel they need. Sports Center has no relevance in the year 2023. I can't remember the last time I felt compelled to watch Sports Center just to see what's going on in the sports world. I used to watch it all the time. 1987, we see the Sports Center or the show that was on CNN with Nick Charles and Fred Hickman. Gave you a half hour of everything you needed to see, and it was the only place you could see it. Now, if I want to see a highlight, I don't even have to look for it. It's on my Twitter feed. If something incredible happens in a baseball game, some great catch, within minutes, there it is. And it's not just on one account. It's this account, this account, this account, this account. Different angles, slow motion, memes. Long before it ever would have made its way into Sports Center. So what, what I don't I don't know. I really don't know what's on Sports Center anymore. I never watch it. I haven't consciously said I need to watch Sports Center in decades, not just years, in decades. So uh, eh, maybe not maybe not de a decade, more than a decade, 15 years, decade and a half, regardless. It is going to continue. And, and I know that Pat said something recently, very aspirational, and he's a positive guy, and I, I give him credit for that. Sometimes it's hard to stay positive all the time. But the idea that this is never going to happen again at ESPN, it's going to keep happening until they come up with this final product of direct-to-consumer. And I don't know what it's going to look like. Will there be constant programming? I don't know. Maybe it'll be dark at times. Maybe there's nothing there other than to rewatch a game that you missed or that you want to go back and watch or watch something, you know, a 30 for 30 that, that you didn't see in the past. But this idea that there has to be always something live happening right now, I, I think that's becoming antiquated for ESPN and it's going to dramatically change the way that ESPN does business. It's already doing it and it's going to continue as we as consumers have more freedom with how we spend our money and what we spend it on. All right, Let's see what we have here. Question time. Uh-oh, PFTPM Posse's mad at me. How did you not mention the signed Kiss Arena League jersey that the OG PFTPM Posse bought for you a few years back when going through football memorabilia on Monday? Well, see, I was asked on Monday to talk about the football memorabilia that is behind me. It's behind me. The Kiss jersey is not in the shot. 
I guess I could move the Kiss jersey. Maybe that's what I need to put in place of the Larry Fitzgerald jersey that's over my shoulder. The Kiss jersey's right here. It's not in the shot. I also have, since we're talking about it, and I could pull it off the wall, but I'd probably drop it and break something. I've got a poster from February 5, 2012. It was the most watched show in US TV history, Giants, Patriots, Super Bowl 46. That was an ESPN no, ESPN, got ESPN on the brain. That was an NBC production. Oops. <laughs> Oops. Always rem pro tip. Get the name of your employer right under all circumstances. Um, that was an NBC uh, Super Bowl. And I was part of that. So I got one. It's got my name on. It's been up there for years. I've got up above. And again, it's not behind me in the shot. This kind of shadow box thing that I designed with my old electric football players. It used to be the... Uh, in the part of the background on our Twitter page, a shot from it, but it's hand painted of a football field with it's the Vikings and the Raiders, basically Super Bowl 11, although those aren't the fondest of memories, but it's got the field markings. It's got a PFT logo. It's got a peacock on it. It's got like fans around it. I'll, I should probably like do show and tell. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll do that. If I remember tomorrow, I'll do show and tell of the PFT shadow box without sending my microphone off into the, into the, sunset somewhere i've got some other stuff i got a picture of me and my dad there was a eh, you don't care you don't care oh he just wanted to have his jersey mentioned the jersey's here pft pm posse it's here it's right here but it's not behind me in the shot that's why it didn't get mentioned on monday okay pft pm posse another question does bill belichick or any other coaches or gms that you know of get any sort of bonus for not spending up to the cap every year i don't know about any that currently have that but remember after Hugh Jackson got fired, he filed a grievance against the Browns because basically his argument was they deliberately tanked and then they fired him for doing what they were trying to accomplish. And the Browns had a four-year plan that prioritized factors like stockpiling cap space, stockpiling draft picks for future use. And they never called it tanking, but these factors did not place a premium on winning now. They were designed to set the stage to win later. And bonuses were paid to coaches and executives based upon how many draft picks they accumulated, how much cap space they rolled over. So they changed the definition of what it meant to be successful. No longer are you successful by winning games and going to the Super Bowl, or at least competing to. Success was, let's carry over as much cap space as we can. And we're going to incentivize our key employees to do it by giving them bonuses based on how much they carry over more draft picks in the future. Even if we have to trade current players and undermine our efforts to win games and the NFL endorsed it. See, you can tank in the NFL if you do it in a smart way. So I don't know if coaches currently have some sort of an incentive to carry over cap space, but the Brown situation proved that it's acceptable and it's permissible. Another one from PFT PM Posse. Do you ever miss being able to watch football and just be a fan, not from a business perspective and look for potential storylines? No, because I enjoy it more this way. And I could never go back to watching it the way I used to simply as a fan. I like, it's more active. I'm more involved in watching the game now. I, I'm interested in games I wouldn't have been interested in before I was in this as a business. 
when I was just a fan, you know, whenever the Vikings were done, I didn't care. It, it hurt too much to watch the other games. I'd still watch like the Super Bowl and the playoffs and I'd try to get myself excited about it. But now there's an inherent excitement because it's part of what I do. It's part of what I cover. And I want the games to be exciting. I want the games to be memorable. I want the games to be things that folks want to talk about and read about. <laughs> nice gif of uh, Andy Bernard from The Hangover. I, I was actually, I really was fine today. Uh, um, it, it Again, it, as I said earlier, it took a couple of Advil, but then I was fine. Daniel Kunamoto and the push for international teams. Has Canada not been considered any potential of adding a Toronto or Vancouver team before going overseas? I don't, I don't know if Toronto is seriously being considered. It's kind of too close to comfort for Buffalo. And when they played the games in Toronto, there's a reason they stopped. They weren't getting enough people attending the games in Toronto. Scrolling through these now, I actually have to run. I've got something else coming up, and I started a little late today, so I apologize for that. I'm just looking to see if there's anything else that I really need to hit today. Um, I'm just going to put a pin in it until tomorrow. I apologize. If I didn't get to your question, try it again tomorrow or Friday. we got two more this week. Next week, I'm going to be... On, vac on vacation, I'm supposed to be on vacation the past three weeks. Look, look what it looks like. I, I, I'm going to take the microphone. I make, I, I'm, every year that we go, I say, oh, I'm going to do some PFTPM from the beach and I never do. Uh, this time, we'll see if we can pull it off. For now, though, I'll say farewell for Wednesday. We'll be back on Thursday. If I didn't get to your question, ask it tomorrow or on Friday. Two more PFTPMs this week, and then next week we'll see how it goes. Thanks, as always, for some of your time. See you again tomorrow.